You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions, and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. Today, my guest is Donovan West, founder of Black Business Accelerator and founder and president of Culturally Congruent Solutions. Plus, he is the former president of the African-American Chamber of Commerce of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Welcome, Donovan. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show today. Now, before we get involved in the official meat and potatoes, as it were, I have a little question for you. We are now in the seasonal shift heading into fall, and I was curious, what's your favorite season and why? Oh, the fall is my favorite season, you know, for obvious reasons, because uh, my birthday's in the fall, so. Favorite birthday cake flavor? Carrot cake or lemon meringue pie. Those are the two go-tos. The real question is, does your carrot cake have raisins, nuts, coconut, or any combination thereof? All except for coconut. Oh, we are a match made in heaven. Thank you you very much. (laughs) Coconut has no business being in or on carrot cake. It just sort of ruins everything. It does for me. All right. See, okay. This lets you know this is going to be a great interview right there. All the stars (laughs) have aligned, and this is a match made in heaven. So from here, let's get down to business. In your role, currently now as head of Black Business Accelerator and or as running something very different kind of organization as the former president of the African-American Chamber of Commerce, who do you need to influence in those roles? And we'll start there. Who do you need to influence? There's two types of people you need to influence in this capacity, right? So the first is the businesses that are engaged in surviving during this time, right? So as you already know, you know, this is unprecedented in terms of business history, the impact on business, and also more importantly, just the impact on our way of life. So for many business owners, you have to just check in with them as individuals first and, you know, see how they're doing. And in order to have that kind of dialogue during this time, it takes a great deal of trust. So the first person that you want to influence are these business owners that are in the middle of all this crisis. You still need to connect with them and and make sure that they hear your voice as a trusted voice during these troubling times. The other person or group of individuals that you want to, you know, influence, of course, are those who have access to assistance, right, to capital, to additional information and resources that can help all of us in some way, shape, or form do our jobs in a a more effective way, be more impactful to the target audience, right? And that is everyone that has been impacted by this crisis. So those are the two major types of people that I need to influence today. So it sounds like a, a matchmaking job almost, those who need the help and those who can provide it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the only way that you can maintain, you know, your credibility, right, is being able to be connected to both. If you're a bridge, you know, a real bridge that is, right, not just one for show, but an actual bridge that is used, that means you have to make sure that that person that's on one end is able to connect to the other side and get to their destination. That's terrific. So important to, especially like you said, nowadays, business owners, business developers always need those kinds of resources, but never more so than now, that's for sure. Absolutely. In doing so, what's the biggest communication challenge that you're facing? 
the biggest communication challenge often is noise, right? There's so much noise. There's so many other people that are reaching out, right? So how do you actually silence everyone and make sure that you come through as one of the more viable options during a time when there's so much more interference than normal, right? So everyone is doing a Zoom or a webinar or sending you this email. So how do you, you know, kind of quiet all the noise, so to speak, and say, hey, listen, you know, I need you to focus some time, some mind share, some energy in this direction because it's going to be fruitful. It's going to yield some of the desired outcomes that we both share, right? Yeah. And, and how do you do that? And this can be a rhetorical question of sorts, but when there is so much noise, as you put it, you got to find a way to stand out and to be noticed without just yelling louder than everybody else. You're absolutely right. Because yelling louder in most cases, you know, it contributes to the confusion, the chaos, right? More than likely, that person's just going to be totally just blown away by all the different stimuli that may be in front of them. And they may just cancel out or be paralyzed by it and no one gets anywhere. So I think the number one thing that you want to do is think about who you're actually talking to, right? Getting to understand your audience and communicate to them in a way that demonstrates mastery. If you yield to that, above your desire to just communicate, I think you'll be in a better place. So when I'm thinking about a particular business that may be in dire straits or whatever, and I do have a connection, I do have a resource that I believe can be definitely instrumental in their survival, their success. I talk to them in a way that lets them know that I understand where they are right now. Sure. And I think the more that you're able to do that, the more that they feel like it's less of some kind of pitch or strings attached or anything along those lines, but in more instances, it may cause them to just have, you know, exhale for a moment. But, oh, my God, I'm, I'm actually talking with someone that understands where I'm coming from or where I need to go. And I think the more that you're able to have that kind of communication with your target audience where you say, you know what, I am not the masses, right? I, I actually understand you. And, you know, if you can do that, I think you're in a better place. So, so that's one strategy, at least. So give me an example. What would that look like? Give me an example of a communication skill that you had to learn in order to help people recognize that you're not just the masses talking to the masses. That What did you have to learn how to do effectively to get people to get you? Well, the first thing that I had to do is I had to listen, you know, because even as you talk about your knowledge of a certain industry, there are still nuances to that person's, you know, work culture, some of their experiences, even their interpretation of their own industry. So let's say we're talking about real estate and or some form of development. And, you know, you're talking about how you're, you're so upset because COVID-19 shut down the city. And as a result, you know, you couldn't get those variances in, right? And so I said, I totally understand. And, you know, and then while they're talking, they may, you know, give me an opportunity to share that I had some concerns in that area as well. I talked about, you know, as a result of that, you know, the scheduling of all your work that needs to be done. And then, you, you know, not to mention your contingency plan and your, your change orders that take place. It can really take your budget way over and then they have a moment with you and they're like, oh man, you, you really do actually understand what I'm talking about. So when you do have that opportunity to communicate, your communication should be an extension of what they were talking about, right? Because that demonstrates, number one, I heard you. And number two, I'm not just waiting for you to stop talking so I can say what I need to say. It should be more than likely an extension of what they're talking about so that it's a real conversation. So that's one of the ways I believe that I've been effective is that when you're talking to someone, especially when they're focused on their industry, the first thought is you really don't know what I'm talking about. So they start to kind of give you some, you know, some specific jargon or vocab to kind of talk about their industry and how unique it is. And if you're able to meet them and say, I do understand it, and here's some relevant experience that I have in that space, 
I think it makes a, a more meaningful exchange of, uh, of dialogue. So in learning to do all this, I know and any learning curve has a lot of pitfalls along the way. We all make mistakes one way or another. You and I have had a number of conversations about these kinds of things. So share with us a mistake that you made along the way, learning to develop some of these skills. Uh, what's a lesson you had to learn the hard way or a do-over you wish you had or maybe you did? Well, I think that one area that, you know, when I think about an experience I had where I didn't see that coming, it's the blind spot area. It's when you feel comfortable about, you know, what you're doing and how you're proceeding. And then, you know, you didn't account for another, you know, another opinion. So, so tell us what happened to you in that case. So a good example of that was I was doing a consulting project and it was a professional development consulting project. So, you know, we talked about the things that were important, areas to be, you know, worked on and focus on. And so we started with that dialogue and it was probably about three or four sessions into it. We have everything framed out, you know, scope of work, what we're going to work on. And everything, you know, looks like it's moving right along. And at some point, I got an email from my contractor and they talked about how everything that, that I submitted was just totally off. It was wrong. Mm. And what I didn't do in that moment is that I didn't dig deeper beyond their initial reason for why they wanted this person to go through the professional development training. And so what I realized for a moment, it felt like forever, but for that moment, I was totally in the wrong direction. The person that I was coaching was really, you know, a person that had a great deal of interpersonal awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And I let them kind of guide where I was going in that space as opposed to going back to the person that actually hired me and say, hey, listen, you mentioned this, but is there something else? What's the foundation? You know, what's the backstory for why, you know, you're here at this place? And I didn't do that. And so that blind spot turned into a chasm, if you will, right? A major, mm. two different realities, if you will, because I didn't ask the additional question. So I think that in most instances, uh, as I reflect back on that, you know, it, it's not to be um, okay with, you know, one or two answers, but to peel back as many layers as it takes to get a real forensic level understanding or the context for why you're engaging in any kind of business. Yeah, absolutely. The details, the devil and God are in the details, depending on your perspective, right? There it is. So then what's the next big goal for you in business and what communication skills will you need to develop from here? My next big goal in business is to make sure that I engage as many businesses as possible, especially when we talk about the gig economy mm. and using platforms for greater development for their own professional business development, if you will. Uh, one of the things that I noticed recently, especially during this past year, is just how many businesses really do not have, I guess, all the components to make their business extremely sound, right? Unfortunately, due to COVID-19 and its economic impact, on businesses, tons of businesses have been exposed for whether or not they had, uh, you know, certain accountants in place, CPAs, right, HR, all types of things, you know, insurances in place. And so I believe that at the end of the day, looking at this as an opportunity for many businesses, small business owners especially, to actually get the proper foundation to make sure that they're more resilient and that they can actually be restored in a quicker time frame. And looking at Philadelphia, to be more specific, right, when you think about the majority of small business owners, they really do fall into this category. So my goal is to make sure that I engage more business owners down this path of professional development, business development, as well as create a platform where levels of development can take place a lot sooner than normal. So for instance, your average entrepreneur does not have time to go to this workshop or a panel discussion, or in this case, right, a Zoom, or, you know, in more times the case, 
they will probably be engaged in their business, right? Providing some product or service. Uh, and so these workshops and the, the many different ways that we may typically access information and different forms of support, they may not be available to do that. So I'm in the middle of looking at different ways that we can still cross that bridge, if you will, by way of being more culturally centered in terms of the programming, how it's delivered, and the type of impact it has on, on this target audience. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'm extremely excited because I am able, as a result of the past experience through the chamber, as well as through uh, other businesses that I've operated in the past, I'm able to leverage these same relationships with organizations that are small business facing in terms of providing information and resources, but coordinating it in a way now through these different conversations and partnerships coordinating it in a way so that it can actually be more relevant. Mm -hmm. And I think right now it's probably more relevant than ever because you've heard already of the amount of businesses that are going to, you know, go belly up, unfortunately, right? Over 40% when you talk about businesses of color and approaching 20% for businesses uh, not of color, significant across the board, right? And so what that means is that what we have to do, in addition to supporting the existing businesses, those that remain, we have to make the ground very fertile so that more businesses can also grow, right? That can be created and grow. So I'm excited about being a part of that new uh, stage, if you will, in business development. That sounds great. And I think there's a lot of people who are going to be cheering you on because they know they need you to help them get to where they want to go. So that's terrific. This brings us then, Donovan, to the Listener 24-Hour Influence Challenge. This is your opportunity to talk directly to our listeners and to give them one step that they can take and complete in the next 24 hours in order to have more influence. How do you want to challenge our listeners today? I want to challenge our listeners to, within the next 24 hours, like you've just now mentioned, to identify someone in the same industry, but different kind of business. So for instance, if you're into construction and you do commercial, I want you to find someone who does construction and residential, right? I want you to identify someone that you can connect with, a new person, someone that's not in your existing circle, because you know our listeners, they often try to do things that are convenient, most convenient. Mm. Someone that you have not met at all, but they may be in the same industry, but they may do an actually different type of job. So in the next 24 hours, it doesn't matter what your industry is. If you do, you know, as I mentioned with real estate, you have commercial, you got residential. If this person is in a, an administrative space and you work in a for-profit, then find someone in the nonprofit space. Uh, if you are someone that is in the, uh, you could say a blue collar industrial and you're a welder, if you weld on small projects, then find someone who does something on, on the larger projects. And the ways that you can find that, of course, are like, you know, whether you're looking at like a LinkedIn, you can look even through Twitter, you have people in their profile, Facebook and Instagram, you know, there's all types of groups that you can actually look at now and actually, you know, find that person. But you have 24 hours to find someone that's in a different business same industry, but different business. This is important because what we know right now is that nothing is for certain. And you may need to expand your network in order to identify how other people in your industry are working and dealing through this situation. Absolutely. And while you're on all of those platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, make sure that you look up Donovan and make sure that you, of course, come and follow me as well. And we'll put all of those links in the show notes as always. Absolutely. So this brings us to part two of the interview. This is about guiding others on the journey. So when you're thinking about things like succession planning, career advancement uh, in the various organizations that you've run, 
First, thinking about terms like executive presence, otherwise known as leadership presence, command presence, how do you recognize it? Since it's that X factor of sorts, when you see a leader, you just know it. What do you put your finger on? Well, I think that you have different types of leaders, right? So for me, when I look at a leader, I'm looking at presence is important in terms of, you know, how they command a space, right? I also see, you know, how they communicate, you know, so you have certain leaders that are really focused on getting their goals and objectives out to the people. And then you have others that actually are really good at listening and integrating some of the things that they heard into what, you know, what they already had in their mind as an objective, but making it sound a little bit more like, a collaborative approach to arriving at, you know, where the company or the organization should go. So for myself, I think executive presence is about a little bit of all those things, you know, especially when we talk about situational leadership. There are times when you're looking for a consensus and, you know, you really want to get some input and some, you know, some buy-in, but there's other times where you literally just have to lead people through the smoky room or building and into safety. So I think, it, you know, executive presence is about making sure, number one, that you establish a certain amount of trust and respect in the space that you're in so that whether you're listening or whether or not you're actually just leading people through a certain situation, you still have an audience that's paying attention and they're fully engaged. That's a very hard thing to do. But at the end of the day, I think that all leaders should really strive to achieve this kind of balance in the space. Sure. From there, when you're looking at grooming someone who's high potential or maybe hiring somebody, what are three most important communication skills that you look for in them? Aside from, of course, their technical expertise. They got to know how to do the job. Absolutely. But besides that, what matters? What matters, number one, is that, and I like what you said just now about what matters. I think one of those attributes is that they need to know that the people they lead actually matter, right? I think more times than not, we don't really take into account how often a person that's working for a company may really need to feel like they belong or feel like they are of purpose, right? This is of their purpose. I think that's extremely important. So that's one of the areas is that they do need to let the people that they lead know that they actually matter, whether it is by being you know, able to connect with them directly face-to-face. A lot of companies, of course, don't allow you to do that when you have 2,000, 200, 500, whatever amount of employees. But being able to have a personal approach, I think, is very important. Effective leadership starts with effective listening. You know, my philosophy is I listen to lead. The reason why I will always say that forever is because I think that it's a dying art. But at the end of the day, when there's so many things that are happening now in this digital space, our attention span is shorter than ever. And so the art of being able to be an effective listener, I believe, will make you stand out and above anyone else that's in the space for whatever position you're in. So effective listening uh, is a great conduit for effective leadership. Letting people know that they matter, that's number two. And then number three, just understanding that at the end of the day, you still need to be results-oriented. You need to make sure that you have a partnership between not just your competencies in the technical space, but also your competencies in a soft space to drive them to one area. And that is to still make sure that you have impact, that you're actually able to demonstrate that you're going in the right direction. So as long as you're able to do that, I think you'll be great. If you have too much of it, right? And you're that pragmatic kind of leader. I don't care what you do, just get it done kind of leader. I think you're going to lose people, right? High turnover, you're going to cost the company. 
if you're too much in that kumbaya space, right, and you, you just want to make sure everyone's get along and that they really feel good about you, you're going to lose some, you're going to miss some deadlines and you're going to get a lot of uh, excuses or, you know, story time every time it's time for, for certain people or divisions or departments to show up. So you got to have that balance so that at the end of the day, you're still able to make sure that you get things done and, and you can remain in a leadership role for, for as long as you tenure. Right, right. So then what's a red flag on the flip side of that coin that could be a career derailer or would otherwise stop you from hiring somebody else? I think someone that touts their level of competency and experience as being, you know, everything, right? Mm. If someone is talking so much about their skill set, their work experience, their education, and not necessarily talking about their ability to listen, to learn, to be a little bit more fluid with their intelligence in terms of applying it to different situations, wherever they may see it necessary to, to apply it. So those individuals that are just saying, listen, I've done this forever. I'm a subject matter expert. And that's it. I'm here. To me, that presents a red flag because it means that at times they may not be able to listen or to be able to actually understand what makes our company different or whatever particular project we're working on that is different. And so that kind of one size fits all mindset, you know, that crystallized intelligence that they may have. I think those things are red flags when I'm talking to someone about, you know, a potential project or employment overall. Right. Now, within management and within leading people, there's, there's a lot of talk about things like managing up. So tell me about a time when someone pitched something to you and it just failed miserably. What should they have done differently? I think that the first thing is, is when you're pitching, you know, uh, an idea, here's the first thing that came to mind. And I, I know you meant in terms of the question, I thought I'd give the lesson first, but I'll come back to the lesson later. Yeah, just give us the story. We'll figure out the lesson. So someone came to me and they, they wanted to uh, propose the development of a program. And this is a workforce development program. And when they were pitching the development program, the workforce development program, the first thing that they started talking about was how much money they wanted for this program. You know, we need to find $3 million to do this kind of program. And what I was listening for is, you know, how did you arrive there? So it was like, we need to get this amount and this is what we'll do with the program. We're going to serve, you know, underserved youth in this particular area of the city and we're going to provide them X, Y, and Z. Uh, we're going to provide them training and some food, some transportation, and it's going to be a great program. And I thought to myself, you presented this idea. Uh, the challenge that I had, it was all oral. There was nothing written down, but you gave me an actual number, mm. you know? So if you give me a number, you know, I need you to show me your work. You know, if you're going to provide, you know, some information about something, let's just know that in this conversation, we're talking about information. But if you're providing a concept, Let's talk conceptually, right? We're just, you know, brainstorming or whatever. Hey, listen, would you, would you mind if we had a conversation about something I see as a need, right? And then we can talk about it and kind of arrive there when we arrive there. But it was a concept that came with a number, never arrived at how you got to that number. There was no follow-up, right? So those are the things about that conversation, that pitch that really just had me say, okay, you're from a place called I'm Just Sayingville right? You just sound good. <laughs> You're just saying, I, you know, I'm just saying. So I, you know, it died there. Well, it died a couple of days later. It didn't die immediately there. It was on life support. <laughs> but when I, when I noticed that there still wasn't any follow-up because I gave the benefit of the doubt, maybe you caught me in passing and you weren't ready or something, but that wasn't the case. There was no follow-up. And at the end of the day, I thought, well, you know, that was a wasted opportunity. 
I think every algebra teacher and every math teacher in history just suddenly wasn't sure why they had this very warm, happy glow inside. They, they're not quite sure why. And they just heard someone in the business world say, show your work, show your work. My, and my nephew probably just started twitching and he's not quite sure why, because he gets mad because his math teacher keeps saying to him, you know, you got to show your work. I'm not going to give you full points on your test until you show the work. He's like, as long as my answer is right, why do you need to show how I got there? I know how I got my answer. And this is a constant struggle that it, his mom was just telling me about it the other day. So see, it doesn't matter. Even when you're done with high school, even when you're out, you still got to show your work. People want to know how you got there. You have to show the work. You have to show the work. I was that same kid in math. You know, I was always good at, you know, just getting the answer. Couldn't quite explain it. You know, I used to get frustrated all the time when the teacher would say, well, it's half right. I was like, what do you mean it's half right? And she would say, well, you didn't show me your work. So it's, it's only half right. And I was like, wow. So to the point about the example, you could actually be right about this sum of money, but you didn't show me your work. And so it really dies right there because you need to show me that you put in the effort and it's well thought out. I think that goes back, if you've seen Simon Sinek's, I mean, he's done a number of TED Talks, but his most famous one, I think, was TEDx Puget Sound, where it was about the golden circles, right? And uh, how great leaders inspire action, I think is what it was called, but all about how people are always telling you what they want and maybe, or what they're going to do and maybe how you're going to do it, but they never tell you why they're going to do it. So same thing, you can tell me what you need and you can tell me whatever else as far as money is concerned. But until you tell me why you need that much money, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to spend each dollar, so to speak? Then I don't get the why. I'm not motivated to just hand over a blank check or even a not blank check for that matter. Absolutely. And what was also very telling is that you started with that number too. Right. Right. Just thinking about when you're going to pitch something, you notice that your favorite infomercial, it doesn't matter. It always they start off with what's the, you know, why. They give you a situation of, of why this product is needed. It identifies the need. And then it shows you, you know, what it's presenting, right? Convenience or safety or something like that. Make you feel more comfortable or whatever. And then it says, for the low, low price of. So why? They come to it last because they know more than likely they have to build value first. And so I would just say the same thing in, in terms of when someone's pitching something, you know, build the value first. and then finish with, you know, what the actual cost is going to be. All right. Now this brings us to the speed round. So we're going to keep them short and sweet. And these are three common topics that regularly come up in my coaching and training discussions. And people tend to see them as black and white, either ors, when deep down we know that it's actually a lot of grayscale and it depends. So we're going to look into some of these things and help people understand that in these struggles internally or externally, they're not alone. So first, in a single word or phrase, tell me where you land on each of these issues personally, and then we'll add a little bit of insight afterwards. So first, public speaking, love it or hate it? Love it. Okay. And tell people one reason why you love it and one tip that you can give them to help them speak with more confidence. Well, public speaking is absolutely necessary. I love it because I hated it when I was young and it was the biggest mountain for me to uh, get over or to climb, right? So what's the tip that you followed? How did you get over it? I guess one public speaking tip is recognizing that people are just that. They're just people. There's people in front of you. So especially when you are presenting, just know that you are the subject matter expert. It's kind of like creating a new song. No one's really there to tell you that it's wrong. So just you know, do it with a certain amount of deliberate energy. And I think people follow your deliberate energy and the, the intention of what you're speaking more so than even the minor details that you may be on or off with. Sure. And then from there, Donovan, would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? 
Introvert. Absolutely. So being an introvert, what do you feel is one of your inherent strengths and what's something that you also have to work on as a result? Well, I think being an introvert allows me to take some introspection, if you will, right? To be able to press replay, look at the tapes, so to speak, and see where I may have made some adjustments, where I need to make some adjustments, if you will. I think that's a strength. Also, you know, being self-driven to say, you know what, all right, I can go back to the lab and be there by myself without having to be in a certain kind of think tank to come up with some things first. The weakness with that, obviously, is that, or the area that you have to be aware of all the time is the fact that you have to leave out of that, you know, out of that room, that space that you may be in, or even just leave out of your mind to some extent, right? And make sure that you engage other people so that you can be effective in your leadership. And what that means is, like we talked about, showing your work. It means showing other people. So while you may have already come up with an answer, showing your work is about engaging other people, establishing some buy-in, and helping to galvanize other people who may be stakeholders or whatever, so that you can really get to your goal a lot faster. So that's something that you're working on? All the time. No, all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Then finally, let's talk about handling conflict. When you're faced with a potential conflict or a difficult conversation, is your natural instinct, your DNA genetic hardwiring to want to avoid it or want to address it head on? Address it head on. I run to the fire. (laughs) And what's something that you've learned about that tendency and effectively managing it? Well, I think that, number one, I, I love that. I mean, I think because at the end of the day, when we were talking a little bit earlier about establishing, you know, and engaging, influencing your audience, you know, who is it that you want to influence? And I was talking about businesses as well as people or organizations that have certain resources. It's important that during crisis that you do run to the fire. So I think that when other people are, are in crisis and you want to assist, it allows for that relationship also to submit to some extent. They believe that, you know what? When the chips fell, this person was there to provide me some support and be there for me. I enjoy that part. The bad part about it, obviously, is that, you know, you can run all over the place trying to assist and you can burn out. You can get yourself in a lot of trouble because you're doing so much for other people that you can forget about yourself to some extent. So that's an area that you want to manage the amount of fires that you're putting out. Because at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you leave or create some space for yourself so that you can be your best every day. Donovan, how can people learn more about you and your organization? Well, you can go to my website. It's www.bbaccelerate.org. You can also reach me uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook uh, at Donovan S. West. Also, of course, on Instagram, same thing. Donovan S. West. D-O-N-A-V-A-N-S as in Sam West. That's the way to get me. All right. And is there anything that you'd like to give our audience today? Well, you know what? I would love to give your audience a free assessment. I'm going to assess your business and we're going to talk about, you know, it can be your business or your profession. So I know there are certain people that are entrepreneurs out there. That's great. And there are those who may be, you know, at that fork in the road, so to speak. And they may, you know, have some thoughts about pivoting or shifting, going into a different direction. I'm pretty sure we may be able to assist you as well. So tap on the link and we'll be more than happy to have some more dialogue with you. Terrific. Donovan, one more time. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is a great show and I'm going to continue to pay attention. (laughs) As will I.
And I want to thank everybody else out there for tuning in. As always, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't done so yet so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.